Why do we hate meetings and why do we hate planning? Every meeting we ever attended, they talk about something, we eat donuts, come back next week and talk about the same thing and eat another donut. I call those donut meetings. That is not what a planning meeting should be. That doesn't make any difference to your company at all. Only the right people are invited to attend. There's a definite start time to that meeting and a definite end time. Marketing is just sales at scale. Hey, how's it going? It's Tim Brown, and this is the HVAC Hustle Podcast. And today we got Al Levion, Seven Power Contractor. How are you doing, brother? I am doing great. Thank you for having me back. Absolutely. And we're talking about priorities for New Year planning in home services. So I want you to plan your 2024 <laughs> and whatever year this is, if you're listening back. But we're going to talk a little bit about 2024. How do we get ready for this next year? What should our first priority be? We're going to talk about seven, you guessed it, seven things to plan for 2024, and then we're going to prioritize them. Um, Al, if you don't mind just giving people uh, a minute or two on your background, I know it's longer than a minute or two, but could you give no, me a... I'm, I'm happy to give you the elevator speech because if we're talking marketing, if you can't do an elevator speech, you shouldn't be marketing. Yeah. So um, I was born into uh, a heating business, third generation, started out of my grandfather's gas station in 1936. My dad, my uncle came home from the war, got very busy. My brothers and I showed up in the late 70s. And now that was third generation. It's on to the fourth generation. My nephew and we do, at my company, plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical on Long Island. And they're doing great. I'm 21 years gone, and they're still doing really good stuff. What we learned along the way is that for many, many years, we tried to take great people who would make it all work. And what we found is that either set up a hostage situation with us being the hostage, or we couldn't scale. And it was crazy days. Ultimately, I went to them and I said, why don't we just have really great systems and see how far good people can go? And that is what changed the journey. I appreciate that. Not that for a minute. That's perfect. And Tommy Mello obviously <laughs> loves you. I know a lot of people love him. And I know that um, you're going to be at Home Service Freedom. That might be after, or sorry, before when this podcast goes out. So hopefully that went well. It was good to see all of y'all there. And I'm, I'm sure. Al <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for the drink, by the way. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So we're talking about planning in this next year. Now, let's let's do a little thought experiment. You're going into a home service business. You're going into an office. There's five executive team there or whatever. Are, if you were about to start this planning session for the new year, would you be, um, would you be keeping it a pretty tight team? Um, how tight would you make that team to plan for the new year? Yeah, so I am not a long time ago before there was the word together politically correct. Yeah. Uh, I found out that politically correct when it comes to meetings is really bad. Yeah. So why do we hate meetings and why do we hate planning? The reason is, is because every meeting we ever attended for a house of worship or a town committee or a school meeting, they talk about something. We eat donuts. We come back next week and talk about the same thing and eat another donut. I call those donut meetings. That is not what a planning meeting should be. That doesn't make any difference to your company at all. 
So I actually have the 10 golden rules for meetings. And then a very big part of that is only the right people are invited to attend. There's a definite start time to that meeting and a definite end time. I don't care how exciting it is. It ends. And then we move it for next time because you made a promise to people. And I don't care if the seats are pretty empty. I start the meeting on time because I don't punish the people who got there on time. It's the other people that have to explain themselves. So typically, any good planning meter has the owners represented, typically somebody who's on the outside overseeing service install, and typically somebody on the inside, maybe on the financial wing, answering phones and dispatch. Those are the critical players. And normally, three, four people on average is a good way to think about planning. I like Planning that. is something... Yeah, Max. three or four is optimal. You, can, If you're in a giant, giant company, you can do a little bit more. The problem is you want people to be able to think, talk, discuss, but based on a written agenda. We don't get there and wing it. Yep. Got it? So and that's really the big thing. I would say also for my clients all through the years, I did of the seven, I did planning power, operating power, staffing power, sales power, marketing power. Ellen did financial power and sales coaching, which is a fancy name for reward programs. So she would have you do budgeting as that part of planning every year in October for the next year. You don't start on January 1 of 2024 to do your budget. Just yeah. like the planning you're talking about now, Tim, you need to be starting ahead of time. So by the time January rolls around, you hit the ground running. The yeah. plan is clear. Everyone's bought in. They know the benchmarks or the, what fancy KPIs, known performance indicators. Are we on track? Or are we lost? And I like to think of this as GPS, right? Really, you're off track, but the GPS is always holding you track-wise. Those are some of the big things that make a world of difference in having really powerful planning meetings. And then let me, let me in, my, in my program, yeah. in my program for the operating manuals, the rest of it, I have a lot more about these meeting guidelines, but I also have every daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly meeting you should have. And not everybody attends those meetings, only specific people at specific times. What he does is he teaches the most valuable team in your business. He'll just add nothing but profit. There's so much money left in the call center. So much money. If you're not at a 90% booking rate, showing empathy on the phone, smiling on the phone, making sure they're having a better day after they got off the phone with you, then you need to call Power Selling Pros and see Brigham. How much? So you talk about having an agenda. To what degree is it a brainstorm? And to what degree is it a defined, like, almost like you're telling them what's going to happen beforehand? I'll be real. I kind of keep things free-flowing, partly because I don't do a lot of pre-planning for meetings. I'm glad I'm not the, the operating guy. I'm the visionary. I'm, you know, I'm, but that's kind of how I do meetings. But you're going to tell me better ways to do it. No, it, it, there is a wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can absolutely whiteboard stuff. You can get messy before you get defined, but we need to know what our objective is before we walk into the meeting. Mm -hmm. What is the outcome? So 
what I'm always seeking is what is the goal, but not like some goal without defined. Uh, we were 2 million this year in sales. Next year will be 3 million or 4 million or 5 million. And that means we'll have another 10 trucks running every day. And that means we need another 150 calls every week. You follow what I mean? So that's how I define the goal. Yeah. And I reverse engineer it so that every day, every week, every month, I'm either moving towards it or I'm off track and then I have to get back. That's what I would do. I don't care what way you do it. That's how you really have to look at planning. And you are in those meetings making mid-course corrections. Um, what is your first priority? Because we talked about prioritization. So if I'm looking at all these powers, because we're, we're going to go over every single one of these in the meeting, it sounds like. We're going to go over operations, financial staffing, selling, marketing, sales rewards, planning and leadership. What would you say is number one if you were to start that meeting it's three hours. It's going to be a big day. Everyone's already tired thinking about it. What are you open with? I, I would advocate try not to make meetings longer than two hours. Okay. And that was a very trainer thing that I learned years ago. Yeah. The mind can only understand what the butt can withstand. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Parking me in a chair, you're just throwing spaghetti at the wall, hoping stuff is sticking. This, yeah. again, is why you have a start time, end time, and tight agenda. Take a break every 60 minutes. Because yeah. you need to get up, get the blood flowing, eat something, move around for those who need to smoke, whatever it needs to do. The first thing is always planning power. So when I would go to visit shops for the last 20 some years, like Tommy, the first thing I do is planning power, which is getting a 360 degree view of the company as it exists today. So where are we weak and strong? What are we doing right? Do more of it. And it's objective. What are we doing wrong? Stop it. What are we not doing that we should be doing moving forward? That's really the, the very high 30,000 foot overview of what you're doing. The yeah, goal nice. of planning power. Yeah. Go ahead, Tim. I like to start that way. Is that kind of is that a sw kind of a SWOT analysis? Yes, kind of a SWOT analysis. And again, it depends on how often you've already done this. If you've never done it before, it's a different approach. If you do this all the time, then it's more refining and, you know, starting from nowhere. So the goal of planning power is to create a list. Typically in Trello as a management type software, you can do it on paper if you want to. But you load at the top of the funnel or what I call the master project list with 100, 125. And if you've never done it before, now, if you've done it year after year, you already should know what are the projects and habits you need to get in place. Not everything is a project. So we don't have any org charts. We don't have any manuals. We don't have a training center. We don't have any training curriculum. We don't have our marketing program really in writing defined as to what is the marketing budget? What is the marketing drivers, the main drivers? What is the, uh, you know, the calendaring for these events and all of the other things that we need to do are not. We haven't hired hook agency yet. We haven't hired hook agency, which was the next thing I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But I can't even hire you, really, just Tim, for a minute. I couldn't hire you in a fair way that's going to serve you and me until I have my marketing plan in place, which is who is my target audience or audiences that I want to speak to? Because I was coached years ago by my marketing guru. He said, say something to someone or you risk saying nothing to everyone. 
And so a very clear message. And that's why you need to know. And if I gave you the power to clone people, who would you clone? The one or two target people. And we were having this discussion before we came on air. I said to Tim, myself and Ellen Rohr, the great financial person, we were talking one day and she asked me, what comes first, sales and marketing? Without hesitation, I said sales. She goes, well, you know, if you're not good at marketing, you're going to go out of business. I go, if you blow all your calls, you're still going out of business. And so the reason I said sales, if I know what makes Tim, my ideal customer, tick and what it is that he wants, then my goal is I can sell to him. I can sell to 10, 100, 1,000, a million Tims. Other people may hear the message, but that's the real leverage of it. So think of a coin. Sales and marketing are opposite sides of the same coin. The better you're at sales, you're already on the way to better marketing because marketing is distribu distributing that. Yeah. But if you want to do marketing well, marketing plan, uh, and then marketing budget, which is fuel in the tank. Marketing allocation is finding your three key drivers, which doesn't mean it's the only three ways you go to market, but the lion's share. And the last piece everyone misses, Tim, is a marketing calendar. They wait till the phones go dead and go, what happened? They don't realize you have to be driving that marketing calendar all year long. Yes. For some reason, I, I've got this backwards because I am a little bit of a scatterbrained person. I'm really good at the calendar side, but then I need to look back at the like the strategy side and get it right. Like I, I'm erratic. I, I tell people I'm chaotic good for us, for my company, not for our, our clients have a lot of other people on their services, so don't worry about that. But like for me, the chaotic good means I need to go back to the, the actual core messages and tighten them up. And I haven't done yeah. that in a while. So like a, a annual planning could be a good time, both on the right sales strategy. Say, I think of marketing is just sales at scale, which sounds like what you're saying. Yes. I love another that. Way, sales at scale. Very good. And another way I look at it is if you have a closer, do video with the closer, the person who's the best, absolute best of your company at selling things have them on video. Once again, kind of the same philosophy as, as you have of that person. If they can sell one person, then they can sell a hundred people on video. So like, it's kind of the mindset of like sales is the small version, but you get it right. You tweak it, you, you get it all perfect. And then you copy and paste out into infinity. And that is marketing. And you get the, yeah. Yeah, so I like when that. I think of, yeah, when, I, when it comes to sales, my thing is because I'm a systems person because I tried people. Do yeah. what uh, do what Tim does. Well, I'm not like you, Tim. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not loud. I'm not like out there. I'm very quiet. Does that mean I can't sell? No, I was a great salesperson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great. And the reason I brag on my how good I was at sales because I was awful, awful, awful. But mm -hmm. I learned the skills that I needed to learn. And what I needed was a five-step process that I created so that I could run a sales call the same way each time, which in my case freed me up to be with the customer, to be a better listener. And I modeled some of it off of my dad, who was not like me, very quiet. And but he was loved and a great salesperson because he was he went there with the attitude of I'm a servant. 
and I'm going to ask good questions, shut up and yes. listen to their answers. Because when it comes crunch time, whose words should I use? My words or their words? And the answer is always their words. So yeah, I think you can combine the two things that we're talking about. My avocation is a good sales system, documented. And then you can take video of, a, of people doing the system like you're talking about, and that can be an add-on to that structure. So what I've got so far from, tell me if I'm wrong, I know we have planning and leadership up top because we got to start with yeah. that. Then I heard selling as next. We, we, we got off course with selling, yes. So I'll, I'm going to roll them down fast for you. Whenever I went to, it was always planning power. Master project list. The master project list is, you, you can't do all of them once you load it up the top of the hopper. They have to come down the strainer in either the greatest, fixes the greatest challenge or problem or greatest chance to grow and be profitable. You get to 30, 3-0. And if you and I are in this call next year, I would simply ask you, Tim, how many of the 30s did you get done? Having said that, you cannot work at 30 things effectively at one time. So you use the same strainers, fix biggest problem or challenge, greatest chance to grow profitable, and you arrive at your top five. And the five is every week, no matter how busy you are, you are working on your top five. Because you said, not me, you said it'll fix my biggest problem or challenge or greatest chance to grow and be profitable. So my question to everyone who's listening is, then what's more important than that? And the answer is nothing. Nothing's more important than that. So that is moving you along in a proactive way. I used to do planning power for guys. Then I would do operating power, which is org charts, manuals. Then I would do staffing, which is how to uh, create your own staff, willing apprentices, no skills, to willing techs with great skills, and then be able to, as you grow, create a hub and spoke arrangement, which is senior techs to field supervisors who could help manage their team, but they have to go through a qualified, compete, and train because it builds on all the other programs. And then I would dig into sales process, which usually led to marketing. And then Ellen was doing the financial and the reward programs. So that's the order of the seven. Oh, but okay. today, like since you're talking about planning, yeah. planning power really is the ability to work on the right thing at the right time in the right way. That is not a yearly thing. You are working that constantly. Yeah. I'm just saying if I was to, to bust into a, a yearly planning kind of like New Year meeting with an HVAC plumbing company, what would you what would you spend your time on? Even if it's not perfectly in line with the seven powers? What would you that, say, what would be your biggest thing that you're like focused on personally? So is this an existing company or is this a new company? Existing. Let's say they're at 5 million. Okay. So it's an existing company. The first thing for any existing company, if they're doing an annual thing like this, which is heavy duty planning is, okay. So again, what went right? Let's do more. What went wrong? Let's get that fixed or get it gone. And what do we need to do that we didn't do this year? So there's no reason to come up with new ideas if you have an analysis of what. And the more objectively you measured it, benchmarks that are objective. So last year, our goal was to grow from 2 million to 4 million. Well, where did we end up? 
Sometimes we ended up at 5 million. Well, how did we do that? Let's do that again. Sometimes we ended up at 2 million or 3 million. Well, where, where did we go wrong? Because we need to make those corrections in this planning meeting with objective things that are, we are obviously lacking or not doing or we're not accounting for so that we can reach our goal. So the yeah. planning meeting always is about goal, but goal in objective terms, which means by when, objective like things like money, trucks, uh, staff, things of that nature, so that they come real. You know what you have. And then yeah. what are the benchmarks and how often are you measuring it? So you don't have to wait a whole year to find out if we won or lost. Yeah. I'm writing all this down because it's so good, Al, and I and I know that I could go back and listen to this, but um, I I just really like the way you're putting all this. I like like focusing on the goal and getting all objective, and then benchmarking and measuring. Um, how often would you convene as a team afterwards? Like, if you've really got a big goal that you're pushing towards, is this what is your? I know that you talk. You've got a lot about meeting rhythm, and uh, but can you give the basics of that? I would say the three or four key people should be meeting once a week for mm -hmm. at least a half an hour to find out are we on track, what went wrong, where are we, what do we need to adjust, mm -hmm. and then they're off. They can do a deeper dive at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter where they're digging into more numbers. Talking to companies that are trying to move out of new builds and um, construction. Oh, construction, yeah. Uh, because of because yeah, I worked of, with a lot of I worked with a lot of new construction. Yeah, I worked with a lot of companies who were in new construction. Uh, the reality is, there's a lot of boom and a lot of bust. Uh, that's always been the case. And so, the other part about new construction is, you're always going to be held captive by who you work for. So that's waiting for the money because you don't work for the end user. And in new construction, if all of your money is tied up with one or two key builders, when they go south or over the waterfall, you go with them. So those are some of the dangers. Does that mean you can't do it? Does that mean you can't be profitable? You absolutely can because I've done manuals for them. I've done training for them. So they become super efficient. There's no question about it. But new construction, not just for me, but pretty much for everyone I've offered free 30 for 20 years, everyone echoes the same problem. I don't care if you do residential, commercial, industrial, because I used to do all three. My preference is that you work for the end user who cares. Yeah. Because that affects your ability to do the job right and to price it for the profit you need. So if I'm doing residential, it's the homeowner. If I'm doing commercial, I'm, I'm working for the facility manager or the owner directly of those buildings. If it's industrial, I, I'm working for the, the plant owner so that they have a stake in the game. So as you're, let's say, people slowly moving down their level of construction work, uh, what would you say are, are things you need to do to, to make sure that you're going to successfully do that without a massive drop in revenue? Because I've, I see people that they, they take it out because yeah. they want to be profitable, but it's still nice to have revenue. Okay, so uh, we don't want to drop it. Like I, I guess, how would you do that in a way so you don't Yeah, no, it, it, I've seen it done right and wrong, like you just mentioned, Tim. I have a great company that did it. We just used the money, and we phased it out as we went along. 
Yeah. And we were using that money to create our residential service and repair and install business. Yeah. So that's a, that's a smoother transition. Overlap. That's One like guy had 50 guys. 50, yeah, he had 50 guys that were in new construction. We gave them all a chance to retrain. And the answer is he probably had three or four that made it to the end. The difference is he didn't care because he had already built a new pipeline of willing apprentices, no skills, to willing techs who would do this work this way. It's very hard for new construction because in general, using generalizations, new construction techs wake up early, go to bed. They don't have to talk to you, Mr. and Mrs. House Owner. They just come and do their work. They don't have to dress up neat and clean. And there's no night calls and weekend calls, and that's how they want to work. Whereas people who grow up in the service and repair business, it's not optional. You have to talk to a customer. You have to put on the shoe covers. You have to ask good questions. You have to explain yourself. There's a lot of different, it's very different. I think people are on an opportunity to try to come with you as you move, but they don't have a guarantee. And unless you're willing to start with the org chart and the manuals, because that's how you get to this other side. That's what exactly what I did for them. That sets you up for your new company while you still operate the old company as the old company is disappearing. But you're already building the training center and the rest of it, not to new construction, but to be to the residential homeowner that you're going to and setting it up that way. And the new manuals are geared that way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. What are a few things that you know home service businesses are looking at in the new year? I, I'm, I keep hammering that because I know this is going to go out a month or, or so before the new year. And I know that we're refreshing our I always refresh my mindset in the new year. I like the new year, man. It, it feels good. I feel like I've got another chance. I, I either hit the goal, the big goal for the year. Or I didn't hit the big goal. Yeah, let's, let's talk about if somebody didn't hit the big goal uh, for this. Yeah, so I'm going to make it comfortable for all of you. Yeah. One of the reasons you don't like to set goals and put, more importantly, document your goals. Because if your goal is in your head, it's just a wish. Listen to yeah. me carefully. If the goal is in your head, it's a wish. Until you put it on paper or put it on digital and you confront it every day and every week, it's not real. I'm mm. just going to tell you it's not real. So why don't you make it real? Because you're afraid you're going to fail. Well, here's the good news. I want you to listen carefully. There is no goal police. There's nobody coming to your house to take your dog or anything else is going to happen to you. Yeah. Set an ambitious goal and then work towards that goal. But you have to work towards that goal every day, every week, every month, every quarter to get to your goal. Should be a it big can't be like I get in my car in California and I'm going to drive to New York and I have no idea about when I'm getting there and how it, I would take a route and what would I do and where am I sleeping. And it's it's insane to do that. But that's how we run our business, Tim. Yeah, that's how we run the business. I, I like to think it's it's got to be a bit of a stretch. Like in my company, if somebody is hitting every single one of the personal goals out of the water every single time, I'm like, you're not stretching enough. Like, let's you're not. Like that 80%, yeah. you're hitting it 80% of the time. It's it's reasonable. And then we're looking at it, like I like what you're saying. I think about backwards engineering a lot. Like if we try to backwards engineer what Tommy is doing, like let's say, or something like that, like 
you're not going to hit the numbers that Tommy is hitting unless you're spending some of the money that Tommy's spending, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah. If you don't put the fuel in the tank, the car's not going very far. That's always been the analogy I have. Yeah. And if you have an electric car like I have, if you didn't plug it in last night, you're not going very far. So, uh, exactly. yeah, it's, it's really much the same. We, we have these expectations. And I think well, Facebook is great. There's some great information out there. And obviously, I participate a lot. Mm-hmm. But watch the outliers. Yeah. You know, there are some key people, some of the best out there. You don't know all of what they gave up to make what they have happened. And the question is how repeatable is. What I will tell you is if you commit to putting goals in writing and do what Ellen used to do, which is called a stretch budget. So you budget, if you're $2 million now, you're going to do a budget for $2.5 million. That's a safe budget. Create a budget for $3 million or $4 million. Again, nobody's going to hurt you <laughs> if you don't hit those top marks. But that's what she used to do. And it was funny because she created this stretch budget and we made it safe for them that if it doesn't come to pass, that's okay. You'd be shocked at how many people hit their stretch budget. Yeah. You want to see it. It's good to set it up, even if it hurts a little bit. Even if it's um, in your mindset, when you say stretch budget, does that mean we get to spend what we're hoping to make? Five million this year. We were three million last yeah. year. Well, I mean, you're going to have to spend five million. So if you go with ten yeah. percent, if I'm two million, and these are just server note, if you spend ten percent of your annual sales on marketing, that is really like the first benchmark to becoming aggressive. Yeah. Uh, so that means okay, you want to be five million? Or are you going to plunk down five hundred thousand in sales? Because that's got to be in the budget. Where yeah. is it going to come from? And then. Obviously, once it's in the budget, which I call the fuel in the tank, what are the three main drivers, which doesn't mean it's the only way you go to, to market, but what are the three drivers that are going to get you that gross profit and gross sales that you want? Google, Google, Google no, just referrals, like, right? Like, uh, yeah, I, I there's direct mail, postcards and certain things. This idea that one system works everywhere is ridiculous. Yeah. It always yeah. has been. Going back to the dark ages People used to take out double truck ads in the yellow pages. Yeah. And it was a way to get really rich or really poor because it depended where you operated. You could be 10 deep with other people. In other places, you were it at the front exactly. of the book. It's no different. All that's changed is now the name is Google, yeah. right? Or GMB and LSA and all the other kinds of things. There's a there's a, there's a lot of ways. One of the great ways that we grew our company was, or, was uh, acquisition. We were one of the best acquirers out there. Now, it was our money, so we had to do it very well. But acquisition is a great add-on to organic marketing. All yeah. of it is much better when you have great testimonials and oh, video absolutely. testimonials today. Because ultimately, Tim, I love and trust you. But I really want to find out what people who live where I live and look like me say about you. Because mm -hmm. you can talk about how great you are all day long. So where do you, you cannot live? have enough. Yeah, about you do it, where, Tim. Where do you live? I live in uh, Scottsdale. Let's see if I'm thinking about if I have any customers. I'm going to send you a testimonial from somebody from Scottsdale later or uh, from Arizona. Okay, later. sounds good. <laughs> okay, I don't the, even know. the reality is that yeah, it, it does have to be local to a certain extent, you know. So mm -hmm. if I if you're in the plumbing, heating, cooling business, what I've always done, and then suggested to clients. 
if I go in a plumbing and I have to do an excavation to the sewer line or uh, there's old, you know, bad water, they need filtration. They're not the only ones. I'm going to market, do a laser focus market all around that area. I'm going to get a great video testimonial from Tim who lives there, who's going to brag about whatever I put in has made a world of difference. They love taking showers now. The water tastes great. You should do the same thing with Tim. That's what you. That's what I'm speaking to. No matter what marketing you do, I love that. And I think like scaling testimonials and video testimonials is a really great place to start for folks that are looking yes. to ramp up their marketing. I think that the, the evidence yeah. is in the testimonials. I think that's a great thing. Now you know my podcasts usually are not that long out, but I know that everyone could uh, continue their growth by chatting with you. How can they get a hold of you? The easiest way is to go to my website, which is the number seven powercontractor.com. You can look, there's a lot of free information on there. You're welcome to do it. You're welcome to look at the products, services, things of that nature. And then there's testimonials because I practice what I preach. And then at the very bottom, you'll see where it says on the bottom right, connect with us. And you can just send me an email. I offer a free 30 minute Zoom meeting to any contractor. All you have to do is reach out to me or you can just email me at al at the number seven powercontractor.com. And what is like, I'll be happy to set you up. What does like a consulting package kind of look like? Like where? Yeah, I don't do consulting anymore, Tim. The, the, uh, the last consulting I did in 29, end of 2019 was with Tommy and a great, great, great electrician, Keith Pinkerton in Alabama, Tennessee. Um, I was flying back. I was in about 19, 20 years of doing it. And I said, okay, my programs are already online. The signature operating manual system program is online and the signature staffing system, which does what I've been talking about. The organizational charts, which is the structure, the manuals for all of the boxes. So you don't have to do everything and they are more empowered. And that sets you up for the second program that allows you to take willing apprentices with no skills to willing techs with great skills. And as you go and grow to build the team of what I call senior tech to field supervisors, those programs have been around for, for since 2017. That's what I do these days. I've got two little special sections of this podcast, Al. The first one is hot take and cold trend. So what's something that you think is a, a bit controversial that you have as an opinion about the, the HVAC and plumbing industry? I, I think a hot trend is a bigger one is that AI is all I need for, you know, my systems, my marketing, for even my law yeah. thing, whatever. Yeah. I am not saying AI isn't helpful. I use AI every day and we didn't even know we were using AI. Every time you spoke to Siri, guess what? It's AI. So, yeah. It's not, I'm, I'm always about technology. My point being is it's a really good virtual assistant if you want to put a piece together, but is it going to be as good as what a marketing person can help direct it to be? <clears throat> My opinion, no. Now I know it's a hot thing. Don't get me wrong. Just like you think you can create procedures, but I know they're not, all procedures are not the same. And the analogy I always use, Tim, is I could take my sketch pad and sit in front of the Mona Lisa and sketch the Mona Lisa. And at the end, it'll be some facsimile, but it won't be the Mona Lisa. 
And the point of this vertical, the, the other thing about AI as a trap is it goes out, unless you buy the, the one that's for yourself, it's going to scour the whole internet. And there's a lot of right information and there's a lot of really wrong information out there for all of the things you're applying. Plus, you're usually impinging on copyrighted stuff. So that's going to have a price to pay. Do I, I think AI what... fits into our business? Sorry, go ahead. Uh, do you think I, I think AI, yes, will be a great assistant to what it is you're seeking to do, whether it's manuals, work charts, staffing, marketing, any of these things, the lawyer work. You can do a lot of the legwork ahead of time, but don't think it can do everything you need. What, what about cold trends, things that you think people have been spending a lot of time, money, and effort on that maybe they shouldn't be? And I understand that this, that kind of that kind of goes to that, but is there anything else where you feel like there's something where people are spending a lot of time, energy, money on that they shouldn't be? Cold trend. I think they're, they're trapped in the thought that I shouldn't be marketing because the economy is slowing down. Well, as you can see, I've been around looking at my face many, many years. I have seen the trends over and over and over. Here's what I can tell you. Myself and my family, we grew the most during downturns, not upturns, downturns. We saved up our money because we knew during the downturns, if we were marketing and everyone else was stopping or curtailing what they were doing, we would have more bang for the buck, one. Two is we could acquire companies, our competition, because when everything's great, all boats rise. And as soon as the downturn comes, the tide goes out and a lot of people are left exposed with no bathing suit. And so you can go grab up a lot of companies. Don't think acquisition is only for big PE companies. What I'm speaking to, if you're small, you can buy an owner-operator company, a one-to-three truck, three-to-five truck, five to seven truck, depending on how much, the, the more systems you have and the more ability to absorb them, you can do that. So marketing being organic marketing and acquisition, this is actually a really good time to do the, both of them, but do them right, right. All right, my last thing is, is a section I like to call, there's money in the phones. And this is sponsored by PowerSellingPros.com. Please check them out. They're great for training your CSRs. And they are good. I love to hear that. Tell me a little bit yeah. about them. Might as well roll with it. What do, you, what do you like about those guys? Yeah, having met Brigham and the rest of these guys, I think they're really good at you know, monitoring and helping you if you're not good about it to get them set up. Um, what, is, what is a my tip? CSR manual. So what is a tip you have for getting better with the phones besides them, obviously? Yeah, no, I think where it starts is with a really good CSR manual, which guess what is what I have. And so it's part of the operating manual program. It's a CSR manual, re really well constructed. And it's not every scenario. It's they're helping them handle 80% of what they need to do. But training CSRs is more than just words on a digital device. It's the tonality that they use because CSRs are like what I call the happy hostess in a restaurant. And with their voice, they let me know that I haven't interrupted their day. And with their voice, they let me know that they're empathetic. 
And then let me know that when Al the Great Tech comes, my plumbing, my heating, my cooling will work again. They explain the system of how you operate. So I, as a tech, don't have to show up and do all of that. You book the call and set the expectations for a great experience. And then at small companies, you turn into a dispatcher. And in bigger companies, hopefully you break them apart because they're very different roles. And then the DSR dispatcher gets the calls out to the techs the right way, and the techs close the call with the, with the dispatcher. What I think that Brigham and the rest of the team does is they do a really good job of monitoring some of those soft skills that I'm speaking to. But having a, having a system, I built CSRs all across the country. And now, frankly, I'm building them around the world because my program has been sold in Australia, New Zealand, the UK, South Africa. You got to love it. You got to love it. And the ongoing monitoring, obviously, also important here. And um, Monitoring is key. Yeah. It, it, it kind of comes back to, as a kid, would you do your homework all the time if your parents never checked it? Come on. You know the answer. So what I think was really great, one of my partners came up with years ago, uh, you know, we used to take them into weekly meetings, the CSR meetings, because we read the manual out and we would bring in recorded calls like when Service Titan kicked in. And some of them hated it because they felt it was going to be a bad moment. So what he said to them is, bring me your very best call and one you think you could do better on. And then he let them self-correct themselves. So we play the call and go, what do you think you did great on that? And the CSR would go, I did this, I did this, I did this. And then they let them play the one that they thought they could do better and go, okay, so listening to this, what could you do better at? And he would say 90 to 95% of the time, they nailed it. I love that. And this it's much really more powerful when it comes from them. That's so good. Um, Al, thank you for joining me. Um, check out the manuals. Check out the stuff that they offer at 7powercontractor.com. Um, anything you want to leave us with? No, I'm here to serve. So, yeah, go on the page. If you're interested in uh, Free 30, then hit the connect with us, and we'll make it happen. Awesome. And thank you, everyone, for watching. I uh, appreciate you guys. If you don't mind liking, comment, subscribing, all the stuff. And the uh, podcast is put on by hookagency.com. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone.